Hello, and welcome to Secret Lives of Chiropractors, where we get personal with chiropractic leaders, mentors, and influential entrepreneurs. When I say personal, I mean really personal. So personal that the things that come up here, they haven't shared anywhere else. Today, I had Dr. Brian Dooley with me. He's the Dean of Sherman College, family man, an entrepreneur, and just an incredible human being. Brian really opened up about the challenges of his childhood that sort of continued all the way into adulthood, even for him as a chiropractor and until really recently where he overcame those challenges. He even shared a funny story about cooking a pet when he was younger. You're going to have to listen and watch all the way to the end for that story. I really think that sometimes we allow our past stories to carry on and we often put a frame around new experiences um, because of those past experiences and past stories that really don't belong to new uh, experiences or to the future that we are trying to um, design and create. That's really not productive. As a matter of fact, it will limit your potential in winning in life because you're really making decisions in, in seeing the world from that previous um, frame of past experiences that hasn't haven't served you in the past. As a, ma- as a matter of fact, I think that reaching your maximum potential has everything to do with, you ready for this? Unlearning and very little to do with learning more things. This is why I created Elevate Club. It's where you come to unlearn those old patterns and of thoughts and behavior and habit. And of course, then start to adapt new or adopt new ones or adapt to new ones. If you are um, intrigued at all by Elevate Club, join us. I'm sure the link is in here somewhere, but it's www.elevate.me, E-L-I-V-A-T-E.me. And as always, enjoy this episode with Brian, this interview, and be sure to subscribe, share, like, and engage. See you guys next time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Today, I have my favorite Brian Dooley in the world. There we go. (laughs) And um, Brian, if you don't know him, you're going to get to know him today. He is a graduate, a summa cum laude graduate of Sherman Chiropractic College. And um, once he graduated, he won the Service Distinction Award, the B.J. Palmer Philosophy Award, and the Milton Garfunkel uh, Award. So, so many awards. Um, He has served uh, Sherman College as a lead instructor in chiropractic philosophy, which I had a pleasure of of speaking at, patient education, media communications, case history. I mean, this dude is just full of knowledge. And... uh, an absolute uh, incredible uh, advocate for chiropractic. He presently serves uh, Sherman College as the Dean of Clinics, and he's just an all-around incredible human being, which is why I have him on the show. I cannot wait to get a little bit personal with you, Brian. Thank you for coming on the show. Welcome. No, thank you for having me. I sound pretty impressive. I'm, 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 I'm very interested to hear what I have to say today. 
<laughs> and I only read half of your bio. So if if you're impressive after that bio, I mean, yeah, imagine the rest of the bio, right? <laughs> awesome. No, but well, it's a pleasure to be here. You're my favorite Dr. Nona. So this is great. <laughs> I love it. Beautiful. Um, so Brian, why don't you tell me about your, this is like being in therapy. Sometimes it feels yeah. like um, tell me about your childhood. So what I'm really trying to get to, Brian, is who was Brian Dooley as like a four-year-old, five-year-old? And what were you like? And what was the, the dynamic like in your family or between your siblings? And how did that influence who you are today as an entrepreneur, as a chiropractor, as a teacher, and as a leader in our profession? The, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up, uh, had mom and dad. So a lot of my friends had divorced homes. I did not. Uh, mom and dad just celebrated their 57th. So they've been around the block with each other a little bit. I grew up with three brothers. So I'm the, I'm the third of four. And interestingly, I think I was the middle child that my uh, mother never wanted to have. So that's why they had four, because they thought, oh, we'll never have a middle child. And I apparently was that middle child. Mm. And so, so interestingly, because you and I just saw each other in Denver, some of what I'll chat is some of what I, I, I scratched the surface with there was as a kid, um, I had that classic middle child syndrome where um, I felt I wasn't noticed. I felt like I needed more attention. Um, I went through periods of uh, felt people didn't. I would say outwardly that nobody loved me because nothing was going my way. I did not like when my brothers had their birthdays because there was no attention on me. So, so quite honestly, I was probably a, a little bit of a brat um, at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember be I had um, super social anxiety. So to the point where um, I would sit in my friend's driveway and wait for he or his mom or whoever to open the door just to let me in because I was just too anxious just to knock on the door of yeah. my friend's house. So okay. let alone imagine if McDonald's got my order wrong. I'm just, I was so, I eat- was just, yeah, I was taking what the world would give me because I don't know if it was I didn't feel worthy of taking and making the world myself, but I was just too afraid to do it. And do you think and, all of this had to do because you you shared a lot of that on the stage mm-hmm. at um, Mile High to this last year? But do you think a lot of that, like I get that some of that had to do with being a middle uh, child, but was there something else that contributed to that? Mm-hmm. What was it? Yes. And interestingly, I spent a long time wondering about it. And it was probably, and and I've been in chiropractic since 2005. Mm -hmm. And I would say, and I started, I'm in about my 10th year at Sherman. And I would say it was maybe five years into that when it dawned on me was because my birth story was my mother went to um, went to the hospital three different days. Um, so I didn't show, I didn't show, I didn't show, or I finally did show. And I wonder, could I have been sublux? Could she have been subluxated? A, which is why the birth was was as laborious as it was. And then, of course, if she's subluxated, what is the opportunity for me to get subluxated? And then certainly 
growing up in a house with three brothers, you're going to wrestle and tussle and those types of things. I did play sports pretty much from first grade on. So I've gotten banged around a lot. And, and um, I mean, I remember as a kid um, having just the worst earaches. Um, I remember as a kid having to go to the hospital and get 10 shots in each arm because of allergies. When my mother uh, came to Sherman and visited and saw our palpation benches and and commented on how low they were, and I asked, well, what do you know about it? And she said, my grandmother took her to a chiropractor. My grandmother's super allopathic, but she took her to a chiropractor because of her allergies. Mm -hmm. And I asked if it helped, and she said, yeah. But But she put me into this chemical storm. So somewhere along the way, the message got lost on my mother. Yeah. Um, so I look back on that and, and wow, that anger that I had, cause there, it's really what it was anger and not a love of, of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel there's no doubt I was, I was subluxated because the first time I got checked, I was subluxated. So to me, there's no doubt that that thing was lasting at least since I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So how did you, how, do you feel like you overcame that in your childhood, like the the things that you went through, the the lack of self worth, the self doubt, mm-hmm. the anxiety. When did you sort of come out of all of that? I know it would have been about twelve or thirteen years ago. I started. I had the idea to maybe get into teaching a little bit. So my practice was building and it was growing. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll get into teaching because I, I honestly, Dr. Eric Russell got the job as the president at New Zealand Chiropractic College. And my first thought was, man, that'd be nice to live in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him how he got into teaching and he, he started in community college and then he um, just worked his way up. So when opportunities arose and so that sounded pretty simple. So I looked up a local, uh, we call them technical colleges here in South Carolina and they were looking for anatomy, physiology, lab, or lecture. And there were three-hour blocks, and I figured I can do a 15-minute lecture and then babysit for lab way easier than three hours of lecture in a lecture. So I chose the lab, and I never, ever, ever, ever thought I would teach, certainly with my anxieties, because even still to then, I was better as mm-hmm. far as uh, returning food that I didn't like or knocking on doors, yeah. but I still had a long way to go. And and the first time I taught, I remember thinking, or the second time I taught, I remember thinking if I was paying or my parents were paying or someone's parents was paying to take this class from me, they'd be really upset and pissed off about the effort that they were getting. And so I'm like, well, I, I got a, I owed it to these kids to make a better effort. And I said, let me just make it to the end of the semester and then I'll just be done. At least I gave it a shot. Um, the third, so I started thinking, what was it that I liked about um, teachers that grew up? So what did what did some of my favorites do? And and so this comes to just looking inside and, and, and coming out more authentically you because you pick up, these are the things I like, you make it a part of you and these are the things you don't like. Hopefully you get rid of those things. And the next class, I was like, wow, that was actually kind of fun. And so um, finished out the semester and decided to give it another run. And and it worked out really well. Um, after about two years of that, I started 
thinking, well, maybe why don't I teach what I actually know the most, which is chiropractic. Yeah. And um, so I started in our health center just as, as a um, support faculty for one day a week. So I still had my practice and I did that for a while. And then I was called and asked to teach chiropractic history and the 33 principles. And as the universe would have it, if I had a choice of picking which two classes on campus to start with, those would have been it. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's give it a go. And and so I had some success teaching with it. And through teaching, I ended up um, with Jim DeBell at New Beginnings. That was the first time I spoke on stage. And I grew up probably with a lack mindset or the world is against me mindset. I'm not going to win mindset. Scarcity. Yes, exactly. And so then my thought was walking into this New Beginnings talk was, well, what am I? Who am I? Because I've only been in chiropractic so many years. So who am I to go talk to all these people? Why would they want to listen to me? I hate the public speak. Um, this is going to go terrible because all these other people are so much better at this. And I've never done it before. Not in a group. I've only done um, in front of uh, students. And that's one thing. And this is different. So. I remember uh, thinking to myself, well, as long as the person before me doesn't get them in an emotional state crying and all that stuff, I'll be okay. And sure enough, uh, they were just bawling when they were done with the speaker before me. I'm like, oh, great. I have to so know I who think, it was. You want to share who it was? Oh, yeah. Dr. Selena Sigafoos Jackson. Oh, yeah. You had to go after Sigafoos? So, yeah, so I had to go after Dr. Selena. That was that was my so not only that, so I had to go after Dr. Selena. I was speaking in front of about 200, 250 people, by far the largest group I've ever spoken in front of. Uh, I had to do it for 20 minutes. So I had to actually prepare something which I'd never done before. And then um people that I thought were way more successful than I was monetarily or whatever. Then in the front row was uh, Dr. Cordero and his wife, uh, Dr. Cohen and his wife and Dr. Armin Rossi and his wife. So three of my six bosses were staring at me. And, and that's what, that's my first talk. And I got through the introduction. And sorry to interrupt. It's the first time I know this because I'm mentioning it because it's important. It's the first time if if I'm if I got captured mm-hmm. this right, that you are speaking in front of your colleagues, like prior Correct. to you spoke to students, which is different for right. chiropractors. It'd be like talking to patients versus oh, now you got to present something mm-hmm. to your colleagues to people who already know right. the things, a lot of the things that you already know. So yeah, right. it's a big deal. So yeah, how do you say something to all these people that know more than you in a way that they, at the very least, enjoy it and be might want you to come back? And I got through what I thought was my inter- introduction, and they put the five minute sign up, so this is going to be a real fast talk. <laughs> so I got through it, and and at New Beginnings, when you walk up the aisle, the board of New Beginnings will give you a handshake and a hug, and and Jim DeBell said, you know, it goes real fast, doesn't it? And and the way I look at that day was I survived. It was not my best talk by far, and but I survived it. And I was proud of myself for going through it. Um, what I started to think, though, because that was about the time I really was starting to shift into abundance mindset. And that's when just my life in general changed, because yeah. even my practice took off when I started thinking abundance. And what I started thinking about was... Who in the world ever goes to any kind of a 
performance, whether it's a rock concert or a movie or a play or a chiropractic seminar and says, man, I'm expecting these people to stink. I pay good money and I'm going to go here and I want to be bored and I want to be all the people go hoping to hear something good. So, so I realized when I thought the whole world was against me when I was growing up, that the world was actually rooting for me. And, and so what I thought about my three bosses being in the front row, they were protecting me more than my thought was, oh gosh, here they are. Maybe I'll have a job Monday morning. Well, they weren't looking to see what was wrong with me. They were, they were rooting for me to do well, because if I do well, Sherman college does well. And so like yeah, the world is for you. The the world right. is supporting you. The universe has got your back. All those things. All of it. And and what I realized, I tried that first talk, I tried to speak for everybody in that room at New Beginning. So that was 250 people. What I realized was when I just told my story and I was purely inside out, this is what's on my mind and what I'm thinking about is it serves two purposes. One is it is kind of cathartic uh, and therapeutic because depending on what you have to say could be pretty deep and have a lot have a lot of stuff kind of like I talked about at mile high. But then the other side of it is is it gets people to think a little bit. And when I am the most inside out and within myself as a speaker, that's when I get the most um feedback um totally. with people come in because what I realized was where I thought I was the only one going through these things of struggling with self-doubt and self-esteem and self-confidence and all those other selves. Um, a lot of people have it. And, and so you realize that you're really no different and, and kind of like uh, principle 32 in chiropractic, the principle coordination, when we're all talking to each other and working together, well, then what a beautiful organism it is. Hmm. Yeah. And I think um, I'll add to that is as a speaker, it, um, when you do speak about something that is real and it is inside out, how you called it, then it's also easy because it's like, this is mm. how I feel. This is what right. I've gone through. This is my story. I don't have to script it. I don't have to think about it. It, it, it just is what it is. Right. And um, yeah, people relate to it. And I think it gives people a lot of hope because um, you know, a lot of the students or chiropractors who are going through the same thing and they're experiencing self-doubt right in this moment, or they've experienced it in the past. And they look at Brian Dooley and they're like, wow, I, you know, he's impressive and he's done all of these things. And he's the Dean of Clinic at Sherman College and he's got his businesses and he's, you know, so like they look at you and they look up to you and they see that it's not you don't have to be, it's not perfection that gets you success. It's actually struggle and overcoming mm -hmm. those struggles and the struggles never go away. I mean, I asked somebody, right. I had somebody ask me this question, like when, what's the fin? And I was like, there is no finish line. Like, I guarantee Brian right. Dooley deals with self-doubt right. on weekly, monthly, maybe daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like I do, you know, just kind of as a human experience. But you learn along the way how to deal with those kinds of things. Now, I'm curious if there is a story about you. We're going to just touch back into your childhood one more time, but mm -hmm. in a fun way. Is there a funny story that your mm. family tells about you? I mean, a funny one. I mean, honestly. Or like an interesting one, entertaining one. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I boiled my brother's goldfish. Oh, uh, God. He had a tropical fish. 
Well, I had a tropical fish tank, and according to my mother, I felt the fish were cold, so I turned up the heat in the fish tank and actually cooked these fish, <laughs> literally cooked them. So, so yeah, if, if I, sorry, Peter, if you're out there, I, I apologize for what I did as a young child. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. That's an interesting question because I don't feel that there is a story that they tell too much. If they mention... If they mention anything, my perception, I don't know if that's right or not, but my perception is that they go back to all the attention getting that I tried to get. Uh, so all of the all of the screaming, well, nobody loves me and all that stuff. That's the stuff that I feel. Um, that's the stuff that I feel that they would remember. That um, like in terms of their perception. And how do you feel about that? How do you feel now about knowing that? Um I mean, I suppose party would say, boy, I would love it to be better. But the thing that I've learned in, in living more inside out, well, it is what it is. I can't do anything about what happened 40 years ago. Right. But um, but what I've noticed is, um, and I talked about this with Agent Smith in my talk, and who's your Agent Smith in your life that you have to deal with. And to your point, Agent Smith is relenting. He never ends. Mm -hmm. So it's just how well that you're able to stand up, how well, you know, sometimes you stand up and fight. Sometimes you got to run. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you're going to fly. Sometimes you're going to punch. So, so all these different things, but I realized that, and I don't want it to sound worse than it is, but for me, my family was my agent Smith because they held this opinion of me or at least perceived. Um, Cause I've never really asked them about what they thought about me as a kid. So, right. so it's all my perception of what I think they think. But it was this idea of, yeah, this bratty kid that that um, super self-centered, super whatever, whatever, whatever. And um, like we get together now, my perception is, I mean, I, I was just with everybody uh, this uh, couple of weeks ago in New Jersey and nobody asked me, um, let's see, we had 15 people in that house. So take away two that were my family. And my immediate family or my my daughter, my wife, and then nobody asked me how life was going other than two. And mm -hmm. so so I've always felt people haven't asked. Uh, they don't know me real well. So so I I feel that nobody in my family I'd be friends with them. Not that they're bad yeah. people. It's just it's just we wouldn't be buddy buddies. If we met on the street, it'd be like, yeah, they were cool. And then be moving on. I don't, I don't know if we would that's call okay, each other. Right. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Cause like that, sometimes that's the case. It sounds like you really felt like you weren't seen as a child. Mm -hmm. And even now feeling like you weren't really seen um, in your, even just this past week or whenever you were hanging out with your family, you didn't feel seen. Now right. the cool thing about that is, um, now you have an opportunity to be seen and, and it's yeah. relevant what your family thinks or whether they see you or not. It's like, right. All of your attempts can be like, see, see Brian Dooley for all the genius that he has, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's in a philosophy teacher on secret lives of chiropractors or as the Dina clinic or all, all of your accomplishments. Yeah. Thank you. And well, what I've noticed is that my world is my world. One one thing I think my parents did, and 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 again, not as a malicious thing, just the way that it worked, they created a space that we weren't, me and my brothers weren't in a hurry to come back to. So the plus there is that you you go out into the world and find your way. And 
And I've always felt I, I was more the black sheep that I tended to do things that were outside the family's norm or what the family thought process is. And not to say they were wrong. It just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And and so and that's certainly in chiropractic. I mean, uh, my daughter is in chiropractic school now. And so at vacation, um, she felt dismissed much like I usually did because of her opinions on the health of my mother and things that they need to be doing. And it's like, yeah, welcome to my world. So, um, but, but now what's interesting is, yeah, I have, I, I, I feel. So when I was only uh, a practitioner, so when I was, um, I still felt alone because I was, I was in my little town. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to events as, as little as I could just to get whatever CE I needed and so, so I put myself on that island um, and and withdrew. But then, when I when I started with uh, with Sherman, you don't have that choice anymore. And so, people start asking you to speak places, and I owe it to the school. To I mean, part of my job is to is to advertise really for the school, recruit for the school. So, mm-hmm. you start going to these places, and people would tell me, "Well, what?" what and, and I lived an hour away from Sherman at the time, so. I would wake up, I would be on the road by 7.30, I'd be, uh, sorry, 6.30, I'd be teaching at 8 until 2, drive an hour home, and I'd practice till 7, uh, and then, and and that's what I did all, all week, and then I would go away on the weekends and speak at these events, and people are like, well, how do you keep that schedule, and it's like, well, because I didn't feel like I was working, because I was doing exactly what I wanted to do, and and when I go to chiropractic events, that's my family and friends, these are the people that that we're on the same track. And so yeah. these are the people that I, I gravitate the most towards. Um, and, 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 and yeah, I, 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 I uh, my brothers, I hope that they and their families, that they get all the success that they want to get in their world, but their world isn't mine. And even if they were chiropractors, their world wouldn't necessarily be mine either. Um, but but you I'm found like inside of the chiropractic family, you found a family that, that, mm-hmm. Uh, makes you feel seen and makes you feel heard and and you have significance uh, for obvious reasons you know every everything that you've done and and everything that you are so that's really a beautiful thing and that's a that's a beautiful message is like not, not it's not always going to be your family it's not always going to be your friends as a matter of fact your circle of influence so pick them carefully now i want to um yeah. pivot into like well, i'm going to ask you some quick Fast action questions, like one line. Right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Do you have a childhood nickname? Uh, yes. What is it? Uh, Duels, D-O-O-L-S. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Um, what kind of car do you drive? I drive a 2016 white Ford Fusion. Okay, cool. And what kind of student were you when you were in school? Like an A student? Um, F student. I was an A student, primarily, yeah. other than science and math. So, I mean, I was A and B, but science and math gave me trouble. Okay. So, were you like a C student in science and math? C and D? It would depend. I, I didn't get, I might have gotten one C. Uh, if I got uh, a lower grade, per se, it was Bs. Okay. And uh, what was your first job? My first job was a paperboy delivering newspapers. Okay, cool. And where do you grocery shop? Or do you do your own grocery shopping for your family, I guess? 
No, we we have uh, we have Publix near us, so it's a supermarket chain is where we we shop. Okay, cool. You do, but you go in or do you order online? Uh, I go in. Okay, so you go we in. we don't we yeah we don't do too much or we do that or Trader Joe's and we go in. Okay, and a last question: Who has been the biggest influence in your life? I would say my grandfather on my mother's side. Um, because he was just a cool guy. So all the things that I was looking for when, when I was with him, I felt like I was the most important person in the room, even when the whole family was there, he just had a way of doing that for everybody. And so the, so the two cool things that I saw him do is they would take my brother and I, my younger brother on, and we would go on trips and we were in some museum and they had a jukebox and it was playing like Glenn Miller music. Well, he just grabs my grandmother and they dance, which I'd never seen him do that before. And then he uh, he passed away of cancer in 92 and he suffered with it. Like when I say a long time, a long time. And I went to the hospital one day and literally his feet had swollen up and looked like basketballs. And and. So I go to go see him. My grandmother's driving. She goes, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what? She goes, I'm going to give you some money. We're going to go into the store and I need you to buy an anniversary card because all your grandfather's talking about is how upset he is because he couldn't get my grandmother an anniversary card when he literally couldn't walk. Yeah. I'm like, and she goes, I'll give you money and then I'll go walk away and you buy it and then you can. You go in before me. Yeah, you go in before me and give it to him. And the look in his eyes when I gave him that card of how much, because what it showed me was just how important that love you have for other people. Yeah. Um, in this case, it was certainly his wife. It was it was one of the strongest things I've ever watched to this day, other than watching my kids be born. Wow. It was that's just incredible. it gave me chills, and I, like yeah. yeah, that's that's incredible. Love that. So he he's easily it. So he's. He's the guy I, I try to model myself after. Um, all the things that I didn't do well, I felt like I didn't do well. He did very well. Um, he was an amazing person with speaking to people and being a presence in the room. Um, but what you, what I realized was he was super comfortable in who he was. Mm-hmm. And that was something. And I don't know what struggles he may or may not have had it because he and I never had that conversation. So to say that he was, he was born that way is, is, is unfair to him. Um, sure. uh, Cause we all have struggles. And so, yeah. but, but he's the guy, probably the biggest influence and, and the guy that I would try to be the most. And that's the tough part when he passed away, when I was 21, it's like, wow, just when I was getting interesting and yeah. could have used him the most, that's how, that's what life serves you sometimes. And so, um, so that would be him by far. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I, I know, you probably believe in God. So he's, he's around, he's, you know, he's, he's watching and he's. he's well, and, and the interesting thing about the God thing, cause my grandmother gave me a letter that he had written, he was in sales. And so he had written his clients a letter about something and all the pronouns uh, were, we is what he used. And he said at the end of that letter, um, he said, you may be wondering why I'm saying we. He said, because I don't do anything without God. Mm. And so, so, and and I, it, it was that that made him comfortable in who he was because he knew where he was going. 
Yeah. Um, and and he knew he wanted to be God on earth for people or show God to people. I mean, I'm not he didn't think of himself as a god, but he he just wanted to give that to people and just give love to people. And that's what he did. And and yeah. when he I know when he passed away, and I was actually out of the country when he passed away, so I didn't even get to go to his funeral. But mm-hmm. um my brothers talked about it. it was like a head of state had died because what he did well was create relationships with people. And that's been a lesson I've probably learned in chiropractic within the last 10 years. It's it's about the relationships, not everything else. Yeah. Um, because when you have a relationship with people, it's amazing what other good comes your way, whether it be gifts or money or whatever it is. It's, it's because I'm in good relationship with some really amazing people. Yeah. And even uh, relationships, even if it's not goods or people or, or, you know, gifts and, 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 or connection to something, it's like just purely experiencing connection, you know, which is such a rare, such a beautiful, but rare thing in today's world. All right. Mm. So let's see um, what's new and exciting for Brian, Julie, and um, where can people, where and how can people get in touch with you? We are going to put all the links in the show notes mm-hmm. for you guys who are watching or, or listening in. So um, yeah, what's exciting, what's happening, where do we find you? The easiest you can email me at B D-O-O-L-E-Y at Sherman.edu. I'm also, I'm starting something new. There's this thing called Facebook. I don't know if you heard about it, but on occasion, yeah, on occasion, I'm on the Facebook. So if you just look up Brian Dooley, you should be able to find me there as well. Um, Those are the easiest things. As far as things that I'm up to, uh, Dina Clinics is, is keeping me pretty busy. So um, I've been um, Sherman College full-time since October, so I don't practice in my own practice. I still practice here because we're helping um, teaching students. So what I'm up to is uh, shaping young minds so that they can change the world through chiropractic care. That's keeping me um, pretty doggone busy. Uh, my son okay. is getting ready to be a senior in high school, so I'm preparing to be an empty nester. So that's going to be within a year. So that should be interesting. And um, getting my daughter graduated, she'll be graduated in December and getting her um, on her path and getting her practice open and running. Um, other than like that, that went, that went so fast. Like, I feel oh, like yesterday you were like, yeah. my daughter is going to chiropractic school. And then now you're like, she's graduating in December. So, well, it's been nuts. And, and the cool thing was, because of my job at Dina Clinics, I was able to be in the room and watch her make her first adjustment, mm-hmm. which was the same room that I made my first adjustment in. Wow. So it was incredible. pretty neat. Oh, yeah. And then she's adjusted me in the same place that I started adjusting her. So mm. sharing that with her is, is really kind of cool. That is really cool. I, I am jealous. I got two boys and we'll see what happens. But I'm <laughs> that's that's really a cool feeling. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. I know you are super busy, so I totally appreciate you being on here and just like opening up your heart and being vulnerable. It's really it was really cool to um, to to watch that happen and, and unfold as you kind of went through everything. Um, and hey, if you want to get in touch with Brian email him or get on the mm-hmm. Facebook. Yeah. Get, mm-hmm. get in touch with him. And That's the best way. It's the best way. And he's one of the most incredible mentors 
for chiropractic students, really for chiropractors, but chiropractic students. So um, don't miss out on that. Thank you again, Brian. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me. And Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.